Church, here we are. We're in week number two, the second week of our new preaching series titled Walking with Jesus. And friends, this is a series, we said it last week, but it bears repeating. This is a series about invitation. Invitation into some things that we know and some things that we don't. It is a series about invitation. Invitation into life and life to the full. It's a series about invitation, an invitation into saying yes to some things and saying no to other things. It is a series about invitation, an invitation to walk with Jesus wherever it is he leads. And as we mentioned last week, there will be times when Jesus leads us to places that are uncomfortable, where he leads us or demands some kind of life change from us. Or maybe it's a realignment of time and priorities when, when Jesus in his love for us prunes away the unhealthy or the sinful parts of us. And yet last week we also heard that when we faithfully trust him, when we walk with him, we'll find that Jesus leads us to so much more than we can possibly ask or imagine. He will lead us to a place of abundance, to life to the full. He will lead us to a life that flourishes. Jesus said to those early disciples in Matthew chapter 4, he says to us, come and follow me. Walk with me. You know, I want you to think about something uh, just, just honestly, truthfully, just for a few short seconds this morning. I just want you to recall, when was the last time that you felt fully rested? When your body and your mind and your spirit felt rested? When you weren't living and working from deficiency? You know, I know that for me, when my body is feeling tired and fatigued, when I feel like the mind won't stop the thoughts of what was or what I hope will be, or when the heart is burdened with worry about my kids or my spouse or the people that I'm called to shepherd, I know that when I feel those things, whether body, mind, or spirit, the only thing I want to do, quite honestly, is just stop. Like, I, I want to I crawl in a hole and ignore the world. Now Jesus, Jesus gives an invitation this morning. He invites those of us who feel like we're living and working from a deficiency, those of us whose bodies are tired, whose minds are in overdrive and whose hearts are weighed down by worry and anxiety. He invites us not to crawl into a hole and ignore the world. When we're feeling tired and worn down, Jesus essentially invites us to get a workout on. Now, uh, honestly, the last thing in the whole period, world period, that I want to do if I'm tired is run a 10K. Like, there's nothing exciting about that. Like, when, I, when I'm worn out and tired, the last thing I want to do is hop in a pool and do some water aerobics, right? Like, the last thing I want to do when I'm worn out and tired is get in the saddle and ride 25 miles. Like, there is nothing in the whole world when I'm tired that makes me want to do that. But, as we've noted so many times before, Jesus' kingdom is so very 
upside down. And so he makes an invitation to tired and weary people, people I suspect just like you and me, not shockingly to crawl in that hole, but he invites us to walk with him. And so let's look at this invitation, familiar text together. You'll need a Bible, uh, either the one that you brought. And friends, I hope, I hope that more and more you are bringing your own Bibles with you, an opportunity to highlight, to underline, to write notes in a margin so that you can interact with this word on more days than just Sunday. But if you didn't bring yours, there are Bibles here for you. You can use those. That's just fine. And we want to go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. If you don't know where Matthew is in that Bible, there's a table of contents in the front. You can see what page it starts on. And then you want big number 11. So Matthew chapter 11. Uh, we heard Laura read just moments ago. Matthew 11, starting at verse 25. Matthew 11, starting at verse 25. As you're finding it, by now, no doubt, you know that we need to start not right at the text, but we need what? We need, we need context, right? We, we don't want to just jump into a text from the Scripture without understanding what's happening around it. And so we are this morning jumping again into the middle of Matthew's biography of Jesus. Last week we jumped into chapter 4, now we're jumping into 11. So we ask, what is the context? What's the immediate context? Now to help us answer that question, we're going to back up just to the very beginning of chapter 11 where we hear this. It says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. So uh, Jesus is up north again. He's like a good Michigander, right? He's just, he's just up north again. In the same area, interestingly, in the same area that he called those first disciples in Matthew chapter 4. And what's he doing? Well, he's preaching and teaching about the kingdom about God's present and active rule and reign, preaching and teaching about God's heart to see all people be a part of his family. He's preaching and he's teaching about God's healing for the broken, freedom for the captive, forgiveness for the sinner. Jesus is doing his Jesus thing, right? He's, he's doing the gospel thing. He's dropping good news bombs all over Galilee. But not, not only that, and this is important, in verse 20 of chapter 11, it says, Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed. So, not only is he preaching and teaching about the kingdom, he is also working miracles, right? The healing of sickness and disease, he's casting out demons. Jesus is basically doing the kingdom thing, preaching, teaching, healing, all the normals for Jesus. And now here we are, at verse 25, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Now, there are, there are several things here. We're going to take them just one at a time. So first, the phrase, hidden these things. It's important for us to ask, what things? Like, what things has the Father hidden from the wise and the learned? And apparently revealed to younger children. Now the context, again, that we just heard, the context actually helps us. You see, the wise and the learned, they have 
rejected the message of Jesus and the kingdom of God on earth. They've heard the good news and simply dismissed the good news. They've rejected the truth that God is bringing God's rule and reign to earth. They have rejected the truth that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the one who will baptize with the Spirit and fire and justice and judgment. They've rejected the truth of their own spiritual poverty. So they falsely believe in their own self-sufficiency. This is why, actually, Jesus references little children. You see, the Greek word here is most often translated to mean infant, who, as we know, is totally dependent on others for their care and their well-being. So get what Jesus is doing here. He's comparing those who are, quote, wise and learned, or those who believe that they are self-sufficient, with infants who are totally and wholly dependent on others. You know, in many ways, when Jesus speaks of little children here, it's synonymous, actually, I think, with his use of poor in spirit at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. You see, I think, I think the setup here is that God wants people who are totally dependent on him. And so when our bodies are feeling tired and worn, and when our minds are overrun with the worries of both the past and the future, and when our hearts are heavy with worry and anxiety, we must not, church, we must not falsely believe in our own self-sufficiency. But rather, rather we answer the invitation of Jesus. Now, what's that particular invitation? It comes in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what I find beautiful here, wonderful, is that Jesus uses the same word of invitation in Matthew chapter 11 as he does in Matthew chapter 4. When he says, come, come to me, follow me, walk with me. The invitation here in Matthew 11 is the same. Come, those of you who are feeling worn and tired, those whose minds are overrun and whose hearts are burdened by fear and anxiety, whose bodies are barely moving, come. Come, not, not crawl in a hole and nap, but come. Come and walk with me. Now, the astute reader in the room is saying, Pastor, I don't see Jesus say, quote, walk with me. He says, I will give you rest, and in my world, Pastor, that means a nap, right? 
well done to the astute reader. It, it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say specifically, walk with me. And so a closer look here at the words is going to matter. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. Well, a yoke, a yoke is a tool for working cattle. So at the time of Jesus, a yoke was a wooden beam connecting two oxen together. Two oxen who what? Napped? No. What did they do? Walked and worked. They walked, right? They walked out in front of a plow in order to till the field. So when Jesus uses the word yoke, he's doing so purposefully in order to draw to our minds the walking and the working of oxen. But in this case, the walking and the working is yoked to Jesus. So Eugene Peterson, a pastor, author, he's the author of The Message, a translation of the Bible that he wrote, interestingly, for his congregation. He translates this verse This way, he says, walk with me, this is Jesus speaking, walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it, and then you will learn the unforced rhythms of grace. How good does that sound? The unforced rhythms of grace. So the question this morning is, is how does an invitation to walk with Jesus and to work with Jesus actually lead to rest for the soul? Well, there are two things here, and they both hinge on the word yoke. So again, if if I'm reading out of my own Bible, I'm highlighting, I'm circling, I'm underlining that particular word. See, rabbis at the time of Jesus often spoke about, and I quote here, the yoke of the law or the yoke of the Torah. And when they did, when they did, they referenced, when they referenced the yoke of the law, they were referencing this kind of glorious obedience to God. Right? Imagine the yoke, the tool of burden, is complete and absolute obedience to God. That is the the yoke of the law. Uh, Jeff Gibbs, he's a pastor, seminary professor. He says it this way in his commentary. He says, the yoke of the law is, and here's the quote, an unbalanced emphasis upon the necessity of obedience, not to one command, but to all the commands of the law, both the written commands and the expanding body of Jewish traditions that had come to be called the oral law. In other words, not only do I have to keep complete obedience to what's written in the Torah into those first five books of our Old Testament, but all of the traditions passed down by rabbis for generations. Complete and utter obedience. This, Jesus says, is a yoke that is heavy and burdensome. For the law and its demands of obedience, that doesn't lead to life. 
The law leads to death. You, you and I will never keep the law perfectly. We will never live up to the demands that it requires. We never, ever do enough to earn the Father's acceptance. We are not self-sufficient. So the yoke of the law is heavy and it is burdensome. But the yoke of Jesus, on the other hand, it is easy. You see, we'll learn as we walk and we work with him that Jesus is gentle. He is not a taskmaster. And his invitation, his invitation is to rest in him. And so rest for our souls begins with an acknowledgement that Jesus is our everything. That Jesus fulfilled the law. That he lived up to its demands. That he was able to walk in obedience when we could not. You see, our eternal salvation has nothing to do with us, but it rests solely in the work of Christ. You, you are a daughter and a son of a heavenly father because of the work of Jesus. And when we walk with him, when we work with him day in and day out, he will constantly remind us of this. He'll say to us, I love you enough to die in your place, to take the judgment that was yours, to suffer through whips and crowns and nails, to stare death in the face, to be abandoned by the Father, to actually experience the cold darkness of the grave. Why? Because I love you. I love you. You, my daughter and my son, it's my work. It's my work that brings you rest. Rest from the demands of the law. See, it's my work, Jesus says, to show you who the Father really is. Not a harsh taskmaster, but a heavenly Father, as the psalmist says, who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and a Father who abounds in steadfast love. It's my work, Jesus says, that brings rest for your souls. You never have to strive on your own but rest solely in me. See, this is the nature of the unforced rhythms of grace. When we walk with Jesus, he reminds us again and again and again that our life and our forgiveness and our rest, our true rest, is found not in our own work, but in his. See, when we are yoked to Jesus, when we answer the invitation to come, weary and tired though we are, when we are yoked to him, we are yoked to his work of cross and resurrection for our life and our forgiveness and our rest. But friends, that's, that's not all. We are certainly yoked to his work, but when Jesus uses the phrase yoke, Listeners of his day would clearly see in their mind's eye two oxen held together. An old ox 
and a young ox. That young ox rearing and ready to conquer the field, right? that young ox ready to go and accomplish all the tasks of the day, that young ox who's going to use all of its energy far too quickly and have nothing left for the late afternoon. So these wise farmers of the day, they would yoke that young ox to an old and wise ox who would set the pace and the tempo of the life and the work of the day. See, when we're yoked to Jesus, we let Him set the pace and the tempo of our day, of our week, of our season, of our life. We let Him and His practices inform and to shape our own. So the friends, as we grow in Christ's likeness, we aren't functioning from deficiency, but rather from an abundance. Right? When we walk with Jesus, letting him set both our tempo and our pace, when we adopt his practices of rest and work, you and I then will have something to give away. As we yoke ourselves to Jesus, allowing him to remind us of a love that can be found in the sweet gospel of forgiveness and life. When we're yoked to Jesus, friends, we will have love and life to give away as we walk with everyday people every day. And friends, that's the mission to walk with everyday people every day as we live out this abundant life of Jesus so that those people might see and hear and experience and know the love of God for them. You know, friends, I, I, I honestly can't emphasize enough the importance of the adult Bible study. Now, I get that not everybody can be there because some of you are downstairs with your kids in family Sunday school, and thank you for doing that. But there is a reason, right, that we're producing it on a podcast, a reason that we want to get all the materials into your hands. There is a reason that we're walking through a text called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Because, friends, as a church, we're endeavoring not just to know what Jesus knows, but to do what Jesus did. Another way to say it is that we are going to walk with him as he teaches us the practices of an unhurried life. <laughs> In other words, as we walk with him, he's going to teach us tempo and pace. And as we learn and put those things into practice, as we walk with Jesus and work with him, we'll discover rest for our souls and rest for our minds and rest for our hearts. When we adopt the practices of Jesus, we will find rest for our bodies. See, when we walk and work with Jesus, we will find a holistic rest, real rest. You know, I know that it seems crazy that if you're tired and you're worn, you should have a workout. But I've got to be honest, nothing helps my mind and my heart and even my body, like a good walk in the afternoon. It does something to the thoughts that are in overdrive. It does something to the heart that's weighed heavy. It does something to the body. 
Jesus' invitation is if you are tired and you're weary, come to him. If you feel worn out and tired, come and walk with Jesus. Discover his gentleness and his love and his forgiveness. Discover rest for your souls. Series is a series about invitation. Come and walk with Jesus to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Come, my friends, and walk with Jesus. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may guard and keep our hearts in Christ Jesus today and every day. Amen? Amen. Amen.